Thank you for joining us today with Cindy Sherwood's podcast, Words for the Journey, The Tent of Meeting. I truly love stories about biblical characters. I've learned as much from their mistakes as their successes, and they have helped me understand what my relationship with God can and should be. Today we're going to look at a portion of Moses' life, beginning with one of the most well-known stories, the burning bush. Obviously, Moses and God had a very close relationship, but why? How did Moses get there? They certainly didn't start out as close friends, as we will see in the story of the burning bush. Let's read Exodus 3, 1 to 6. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. What began as an unusual phenomenon quickly turned into a life-changing miracle. Moses is just doing his thing, taking care of the animals for his father-in-law when he sees this bush. Somehow, even though it's on fire, it isn't burning up. I wonder how God did that. The same thing happened when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into the fiery furnace. They weren't burned either. God is obviously over the elements in a way only God can be. If that wasn't strange enough, then God starts talking to him through the bush. The first thing God explains to Moses is that he's standing on holy ground, so he needs to take off his sandals. Let's pause here for a moment. Just like any relationship, our relationship with God is many things, not just one thing. In order to grow in our closeness with the Lord, we need to grow in our understanding of who he is. A great beginning place is to understand his holiness In this casual day and age, when authority is more often viewed with mistrust than with respect, we need to return to this most basic place with God, that He is the embodiment of holiness and perfection. This should inspire our awe and respect. We should never abandon our place of reverence for Him. This doesn't mean we cannot have intimacy with Him as well. We can, as we will see. But even when we are close to God, our respect for Him remains. Back to our burning bush, God then goes on to introduce Himself, leaving no doubt as to who is behind this miraculous encounter. 
He introduces himself in terms Moses will understand as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So what does Moses do with all this? He responds with fear and hides his face. Personally, (laughs) I don't have any trouble understanding that. I think I might have done more than hide my face. I probably would have run away encountering such an overwhelming moment. But Moses listens to God as the conversation continues, and he tells Moses that he is sending him to deliver the people from their suffering and bondage to the Egyptians. Moses offers one excuse after another as to why he can't do this, but ultimately he chooses to obey God and do what he says. He goes back to Pharaoh over and over, requesting he release the Israelites from their captivity. Pharaoh finally lets the people go, and Moses begins a 40-year ordeal leading the people through the wilderness until they can finally enter the promised land. It wasn't easy for Moses, not at any point. The assignment God gave him was hard. His relationship with Pharaoh was very tense. It took 10 rounds before he won that battle. And that was just the beginning. Pharaoh changed his mind and came after Moses with his army. But God saved him, parting the sea. They ran out of food, but God fed them manna and quail. And the part that would surely have worn me down, Moses dealt with the constant complaints and grumblings of two million people. So how did Moses do it? How did he persevere? Exodus 33, 7-11a, NIV says, Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp, some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrances to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshipped, each at the entrance to their tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. How did Moses go from being terrified of God to being close friends? He created a tent of meeting, a place where he and God could go be alone together. He went into God's presence regularly. He spent time with God. Moses would lead the people and make a place to meet with God just outside the camp. He went outside the camp and pitched a tent. And as soon as Moses went inside the tent, so did God. And there was no room for doubt that God and Moses were in there together because the famous pillar of cloud would come to stand at the entrance of the tent. Everyone knew God was there with Moses. And if that isn't remarkable enough, Scripture says the Lord spoke to Moses as one speaks to a friend. Well, that's certainly different from the day Moses first encountered God in the burning bush. Moses is no longer hiding in fear. Now he is enjoying a close friendship. And it happened because he invested in that relationship. 
He made a place. He made time. And he went there often. And when he did, God was there with him. We all need attentive meeting if we want to increase our closeness with God. It doesn't happen automatically. It doesn't happen just because you go to church or Bible studies. We have to have our own time alone with the Lord, and this requires a place. I have shared this so many times, but my tent of meeting is my plaid chair in my library. It's a room away from the main traffic of the house with a comfortable chair and ottoman. Next to my chair is a chest where I keep journals and items I use during my quiet time. And on the chest sits a warmer for my teacup because I always have a hot cup of tea when I meet with God. I also have a lamp for those dark winter mornings and a small table where I keep my Bible and devotional books. There's a large picture window where I often see squirrels and birds in the evergreen tree just outside. It is a very pleasant place. And it is here where I begin my day every day of the week. Now, I realize it's easy for me to make a quiet place for my tent of meeting. Our kids are grown, and Brian is always respectful of my time. But you may have a household bustling with activity in the morning, including young children and kids getting ready for school. All I can say is that you might need to get a little creative. Most people at this stage of life either simply make the choice to get up before the rest of their household or meet with God at a different time of day. That is an individual choice you will have to make. But don't sacrifice this critical time. We need the Lord's help every day. You will likely need to train your family to understand this is your time with God and not to interrupt you unless it is an emergency. And you might need to define emergency. But you can do this. Don't defeat yourself with excuses before you even try. Maybe you can't create a dedicated space, so at least get a tote bag or basket or something to keep everything together that you need for your tent of meeting time with God. That will make it easy and convenient to get started each morning. Moses is certainly one of the spiritual giants of Scripture, and the reason he succeeded in living the life God called him to live was because he made a tent of meeting and met with God there regularly. Moses spent large amounts of time with God, and this prepared him, equipped him, encouraged him, healed him, directed him, and strengthened him to stay in the battle and not give up. We have to have a fresh word from the Lord to continue to stay on trust trail and follow him. And it not only needs to be a fresh word, it needs to be an individual word. We have to be with Jesus, listening to him. I always say that a fresh word from the Lord is needed at least as often as fresh water. We need water every day and we need the living water every day. If we don't keep our relationship with Jesus, fresh, spending time with him regularly, then we are tempted to rely on an earlier word from him. And this is how legalism develops. You've probably heard about the religious scholars of Jesus' day, the Pharisees. 
Jesus spoke some of his strongest judgments against the Pharisees. He called them a brood of vipers. And why? Because they had no relationship with God, only a bunch of rules they projected on the people, demanding they follow them in order to be accepted. But here is something interesting I learned about the Pharisees. They didn't start out that way. They were originally called the Hasidians, a group of God-fearing Jews living in the second century BC. Their faith was being threatened by a pagan group and they revolted, putting their lives on the line, declaring their undying devotion to the Lord, even if it meant death. So what happened? How did such a devoted group of believers become synonymous with legalism, a putrid form of religion? Because they turned that earlier word from the Lord into a bunch of rules. Instead of making it about a relationship, they made it about earning righteousness through following rules. They were piously observant of the letter of the law while ignoring their relationship with God the spirit of the law. They were devoted to the law, not to God. The relationship has to always be primary, and this happens in our tent of meeting. Jesus said in John fifteen five, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. We have to be attached to the vine in order to bear fruit, to live the life God created us to live. We can't do it apart from him. God's word keeps us clean, as it says in Ephesians 5, 26 and 27, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. God's word washes us, getting rid of our problem areas, renewing us, setting us back on trust trail whenever we start to veer off in the wrong direction. No one starts off in an intimate relationship with the Lord, not even Moses. He had to commit to making time with the Lord a priority including making a tent of meeting where he and God would be together. Moses managed to do this even though he was a busy guy. I can't even imagine the daily demands on him, being the head of a couple million people, the daily decisions, the pressing needs, the people problems. I'm sure it was endless, but he understood he didn't stand a chance of surviving the demands of the day he didn't meet with the chairman of the board first, with the Lord. Now, at the end of his life, Moses is enjoying the fruit of a life well lived. Not a life perfectly lived. Remember, he murdered a guy, but nevertheless, a life well lived because he did life with the Lord. He didn't try to go it alone. Why don't you make a tent of meeting and give the Lord the place of primary importance in your life. His offer of friendship is open to anyone. All scripture is from the New King James Version, unless otherwise stated. 
Thank you for listening to Cindy Sherwood's podcast. Visit us on the web at hishealinglight.org to learn more about our ministry. Please consider rating us on iTunes or your other favorite music app. God's best to you today.